We're still in the book of Romans, still in the 14th chapter for the most part. And perhaps I ought to just say here that verse 12 of Romans 14, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God, is just so fantastic when you live and work the accuracy of God's word because you cannot look at your life in the category of the immediate return. It's like when I teach the advanced class, I tell you, you have to look for the profit in it. Remember? What's the profit of it? And many times that profit is not completely evidenced or made visible until long time after its original occurrence. Likewise, here in the book of Romans, as believers, we walk on God's word, anticipating rewards of the future, not just rewards of the immediate present, except the satisfaction of spiritually knowing you've done your utmost for his highest. And you look and work with the believing of the hope, which is the return of Christ. And when you consider this present life in relationship to eternal life throughout the ages, it takes on a coloring that will stand you in good stead and keep you faithful if you want to be faithful to the greatness of God's word as long as you live. The illustration that would come to my mind, of course, is like the NCAA finals. Two final teams involved, and they're both vying for the trophy. Tomorrow night is the final, let's say. So they have both have the hope of winning. It's not immediately available till tomorrow night. And they have the hope of winning, and that has kept them driving toward that moment because whoever wins that not only gets the trophy, but is proclaimed and recognized as number one. That's the reward, the trophy, recognized number one. And all the players in the NCAA get special rings or medallions of some kind. When you think of the ministry God has given us, it's the hope of Christ's return that keeps you steadfast day after day after day after day because you know you're playing in a winning ball team spiritually and all you have to do is just stay playing that ball game day after day and week after week because you're going to be in the final and you are going to win the trophy and you're going to be recognized number one. And in that are all the rewards because of your stand for God and the accuracy of his word through all your lifetime. Maybe your lifetime is only 20, 30, 40 years, but all that lifetime you will then be rewarded. That's what every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. It's not an account for, for judgment. It's an account for rewards. The other day I wrote the following. I wrote 
live like there is no day after tonight. Teach tonight like there is no tomorrow. Also read a letter from one of our believers this week that said, thanks for teaching me more than I thought I needed to learn. I thought that was sort of neat. And here's a great statement I, by Abe Lincoln. I often think about Abe Lincoln. He didn't have the opportunity of a great deal of education from a you know, recognized institution as we're taught today. But look at the greatness of that man's mind, his ability to convey thought concepts to people. Very few people have ever been able to write anything better than the Gettysburg Address on the back of an envelope or something. And therefore, it's just not education. What do you have in your life? What's the quality within you? What do you really have? within your own self that'll make you. Abraham Lincoln said, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how he could look up into the heavens and say there is no God. I can understand that. When you look down upon the earth and you see mankind, but boy, when you stop and you look up and the heavens declare it, everything else, see everything and so forth, you'd have to absolutely know it just didn't happen. There had to be an intelligence behind it, and that intelligence is the true God. I talked to you last week in the core teaching about the word expedient. I'd like to go back and hit that a little bit again because these are things, kids, you just got to put in your vocabulary of your thinking. The word expedient as it's used, it's not expedient to do this and that. I told you all things, literally, this is what it means. All things do not justly bring together. All things do not bring together. Bring together how? Justly rightly. We also talked about liberty, and I believe that liberty is the freedom to choose according to the Word of God, not to be brought under the pressure of anything but the Word. Here in Romans 14 and even 15, we'll still be dealing with the love of God in the renewed mind in manifestation without hypocrisy which affects the believer's action toward others. And this indicates the genuine motivational attitude of every believer. Before we get back into Romans 14 and some of those verses, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10 is sort of like an enlargement of a commentary on Romans 14 and 15, verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not what? Right, and I explained the word lawful last week. All things are lawful 
but all things do not what? Edify, build up. Let no man seek his own, but every man and others. He is not talking about unbeliever. He's talking about believers. When you're a believer with the love of God and the renewed mind without hypocrisy, you're always interested in the other believer's welfare. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, 25. The word shambles is marketplace of the temple. It was food that was offered to idols, food that was edible that was offered to idols. He said, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. This is a mature believer. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you and ye be disposed to go, in other words, there's an unbeliever invites you and you'd like to go or you, you, you want to go, whatsoever is set before you, you eat. Don't ask any questions for conscience sake if you're a mature what? Believer. Otherwise, you better stay home. Mrs. Wirwell and I have gone through a lot of these experiences in past years, you know. We invited someone to our place once. I forget who it was. She may remember all this stuff. And he sat down and he said, oh, he said, I can't eat that. That's against my believing. So he didn't eat. It's okay with me. But he was off the word of God. We've been through all this stuff. People go crazy. They get on an organic foods business and all they eat is garlic, see, uh, <laughs> or something. <laughs> so, I don't know. They just get screwy. But if any man say unto you, verse 28, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake who showed it. In other words, here's good edible food, and he says that's offered to the idol. I don't want you to eat it. He says, just don't eat it. The earth's the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say. The word conscience will come up again tonight sometime. Nothing but habit pattern. You can change your conscience by changing the information you send to your mind. Conscience is habit pattern. Habit pattern is dependent upon what you're taught. But this is conscience, I say, not your own. You, you know, you just dig in and eat that stuff. But for his sake, it's for the other. Then he says, why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of what? And give not offense, neither to the Jew nor to the Gentile nor to the church of God. Boy, that's a fantastic verse in context. Even as I please all in all, not seeking my own profit. I'm willing to be third, in other words not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be what? Saved. 
made whole. Not only just to be born again, you have to work with people so they get to be whole, W-H-O-L-E. Grow up. In Romans 14, in the light of this 1 Corinthians 10, I would like to say that the right moral attitude or the proper conscience toward moral principles is derived from the Word. And that is what directs the believer's mode of action. And every believer has the example or has for his example our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our master. Because we confess with our mouth, Jesus says what? Lord. That means he is our Lord. He is our master. So every believer has the example of his Lord and master, Christ Jesus. And in addition to that, you have the teaching of the scriptures, both Old and New Testament. So every one of us is going to give an account of himself to God to receive the rewards that will be ours throughout all eternity. In Romans 14, I very thoroughly handled verse 13, 14, 15, and 16. I want to again reiterate the rest of the chapter, beginning with verse 17. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, and remember the kingdom of God is overall. To me, it's always like a half moon. I picture it that way, going down, you know, straight out here, touching all the way, and everything upon the earth comes under the kingdom of God. That's why part of the kingdom of God is in the Gospels called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is Christ's personal presence upon earth, which is under the dome or that canopy of the kingdom of God. So the church of the body to which you and I belong is under the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God means the reign or the supremacy of the king who is God. Kingdom of God or God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not meat and what? But in contrast, righteousness, peace, and what? Joy through Panumahagion, Holy Spirit. Righteousness, number one. The kingdom of God, righteousness. In the essence of the 14th chapter about the immature in believing, being respected and blessed by the more mature ones, this verse 17 sets righteousness as the right moral effects producing the right moral effects. It's not meat and drink, but right moral effects. Secondly is the word peace. Peace is always the result 
of purpose and motive. It results from the purpose and motive that are instituted by the believer. Peace is always an inside job. Remember Romans 5, therefore being justified by believing or by faith, pistis, we have peace with what? God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The individual believer has it, but as he relates himself to other believers, in the righteousness, the proper moral effects, this peace among the believers results from the purpose and the motive. And then comes the word joy. Joy is an inside job. Happiness, the word will come up later in verse 22. Happiness is dependent upon the external environment. Joy is an inside job. People have happiness because of the abundance of material or the environment external environment in which they are located, but they may lack joy within. If you have joy within, the external media will affect you very little. I think, wasn't it the psalmist who said, if he was in the midst of hell, he knew God would be there. That's joy not being circumstance-conditioned or environmentally conditioned or with the extraneous matters in the senses world, but being conditioned to God's word, you have that joy inside. So the whole criteria here is stated in this verse 17. Right moral effects, righteousness, peace resulting from purpose and motive in your life, and joy an inside job, and the serenity and quietness of that is because of the presence through joy in Penumahagion, through the Holy Spirit. Have you spoken in tongues today to the Father silently? If you have, then you have that joy within. You know you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. No matter what the external situation may be, you know that you have joy through the presence of the Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why speaking in tongues is so very important, moment by moment and day by day. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And in the light of that, Look at the next couple of verses. Now remember what I've taught you. Verse 18, For he that in these things, these things, right moral effects, peace, joy, serveth Christ, serveth Christ here upon earth, walking moment by moment and day by day, serveth Christ to God, there's a word well-pleasing in there. The word acceptable is well-pleasing, but look at it in the light. He that doeth these things serveth Christ to whom? That's why Jesus Christ could not be God again. There's another verse. He is well-pleasing. 
we don't make ourselves acceptable to God, that'd be works, right? We don't make ourselves acceptable to God by our righteousness, by our peace, by our joy, but we serve, we serve, we serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Reminds me of the works I do, ye shall do also. We are Christ's ambassadors here upon earth. We do the work of Christ here upon earth now with the power of God in us, and that is well-pleasing to whom? God, and approved of men. It's approved of believers, believers who love God and who have an understanding of his word because we're talking about believers, some a little mature than what? Others. But these others are growing in maturity. They're like babies. A three-month-old baby is a child, but a 16-year-old one just has more knowledge grown up a little. So it is spiritually core. Some that are just born again today will not have the knowledge of God's word that you do in the core, right? But they're part of the, and they're willing to grow. They're ready to grow. That's where the approval comes, not a man. We don't stand approved before men. We just don't let men judge us or anything of that nature. God is our judge. And our approval stands with people who are working the word, studying the word to show themselves approved unto God by rightly dividing it. And they walk along with you. They may be much more immature than you are, but they're still moving up, learning. That's the approval. God looks on the heart, the Bible says. He looks on the inside of a man or a woman. He looks at the motive. He looks at the motive in your heart. Senses man always looks on the outside. He looks at the effects. God looks at the motive. Verse 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Follow after the things that make for what? Peace. Peace. The thing that, or things that make for peace is always the love of God in the renewed mind without hypocrisy. And that is what builds up, edifies another. You can have mutual upbuilding, edifying, upbuilding, only under conditions of peace. Some of you may be able to understand that better if you're husband and wife, because there you have the same deal. If there's going to be a mutual upbuilding of both husband and wife, they have to have peace between themselves. If Mrs. Werwell and I would be madder and hornets at each other, there couldn't be any what? Upbuilding, edifying. There couldn't be any, any upbuilding because there is no what between us. Likewise with the believers. 
the love of God in the renewed mind in manifestation without hypocrisy makes for peace among the mature and other less mature believers. And that's what builds up, edifies that whole body of born-again believers. That's why he says in verse 20, For meat destroy not the work of God. What work of God? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you've made him Lord, that you have the love of God, that you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Don't let that all get shook up. And the word again is to ruin. Destroy is ruin. Separate or put away. All things indeed are what? Pure. Because the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. For the mature believer with the renewed mind, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Any type of food that's set before him or drink, food, meat, or drink, it said a while ago, that wouldn't stop you because if it's set before you, you eat the stuff, drink the stuff. Because you understand, because of your spiritual maturity, that it isn't what goes in the belly that's so important, but what comes out of a man or woman. Because God looks upon what? Shoot, you can eat garlic all night. wouldn't affect spirituality. But it's evil for that man who eateth with offense or being offensive about his eating. And you never want to be offensive. It's good neither, verse 21, to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth. And here we're talking about a brother believer. And I'm going to explain this 21 further, I guess. Or is made weak, more immature. Right motives can never be right if the action ensued is wrong. And to act in any situation so as to be in agreement with or compliance with the opinion or opinions of another person, that act is sin. Broken fellowship with God. All wrong, all evil, all sin is never justified by any believer on their statement that the ground for their action was good intentions. Somebody once said the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Verse 21, talking about whereby thy brother stumbleth, is offended or made weak, talks in 22, hast thou believing, if you're real mature, with the renewed mind believing, you have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. I told you happiness is an outside job. Things on the outside. You know, a fellow has 
Oodles of money, good job, he's happy, but he may not have joy within. Happiness is dependent, kids, on material, senseless things in the outside world. So when it talks about happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth, it is not so much in his own conscience. And I told you, conscience is a habit pattern due to teaching. See, it's not so much being free in his own conscience, but being free from the judgment he must pass on himself in the risk of stumbling a weaker brother by his incorrect judgment of that weaker brother. I will reiterate this for you. This verse 22 has really been taken out of context. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in having sex six times a night in the things which he alloweth with any woman or man. That's the way they've used it. It has been the great scripture for tripping out on sex whenever you want to, or being a homo, or being a lesbian. This is the scripture that the so-called Christian homos, as they call themselves, Christian lesbians use. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that which he alloweth. So my habit pattern has become anything goes, so what difference does it make? That's totally wrong. And you know that. You know that without my even going in the depth of this scripture. You know it from oodles of other scriptures. But you see, man's always looking for some scripture that'll give him a cop-out. Like a certain man's always looking for a scripture that he can get evangelism out of it. Doesn't make any difference what the scripture says. Not so much, talking here in verse 21 now, and even from 20 on, this whole section, I've capsulized it in this sentence, not so much being free in his own conscience, and I told you conscience is habit pattern due to teaching, but being free from the judgment that believer must pass on himself. The more mature believer pass on himself in the risk of stumbling his brother, stumbling to the end of judging him. And then he gets mad about it, that you're judging him, and instead of nurturing him and bringing the immature believer up to more maturity, not so much being free in his own conscience, but being free from the judgment he must pass on himself in the risk of stumbling his brother by incorrect judgment of his weaker, immature brother. This whole section is not talking about sex license. It's all talking about food and drink. Now, perhaps sex can be brought into it in our culture, so there's not much argument about food and drink anymore. 
it can be brought in and you can handle it in the same light and in the same truth wherewith food and drink is handled. Acts chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and brethren must be believers, right? That were in Judea heard that the Gentiles also had decomide, spiritually received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, Peter went back to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. Contending against him is the text saying, verse 3, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them, looking at it in the light of Romans and Corinthians that I read tonight, would Peter have the right to go in and eat with them? Definitely. Definitely. But he comes back to Jerusalem, and this occurs. Peter, verse 4, rehearsed the matter, having begun from the beginning, set forth in order unto them. He explained it all to them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, a revelation, ecstasis is the word. He had a revelation, a vision, saw it. A certain vessel descended as it had been a great sheet sent down out of heaven by four corners, and it came as far as me. The which, having gazed upon with mine eyes, I considered the, and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. Heavens it is. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Rise, Peter, slay and do what? Eat. But I said, By no means, Lord. For nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But a voice answered a second time from heaven, What God hath cleansed, make not thou unclean. And this came to pass three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. Can't say Peter didn't have revelation. And that revelation agrees exactly with what Romans sets forth in Corinthians. Far as God is concerned, nothing unclean, right? Now in Galatians chapter 2, there's an interesting revelation in the Word of God that needs to be considered in the light of this, beginning with verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, Paul said, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Tremendous statement, one man of God against another man of God. For years I didn't understand this. I don't know if I fully understand it, but I think I understand it now better than I ever did before. But the reason Paul did this is because Peter was a mature Christian. Paul was a mature Christian. But Peter had given on a great principle in spite of his maturity. 
Peter knew better, but he didn't do better. So Paul withstood him to the face. Now watch verse 12. It'll tell you what he withstood him for. For before that certain came from James, before they came from the church in Jerusalem, where the immature Christians were still endeavoring to think you ought to be circumcised, and you ate only certain kosher foods, Peter did eat with what? The Gentiles. But, verse 12, when they were come from Jerusalem, he withdrew and separated himself. There's your next word. Fearing, fearing them which were of the what? There's the key. Peter was a mature Christian, but he drifted back into fear, and he compromised or endeavored to compromise with the people who were coming up from Jerusalem. Verse 13. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch. See, Peter was an influential leader, and he gave on the principle, and then Peter began to influence others insomuch that Barnabas, boy, and if you know the record of Paul and Barnabas and the love that Barnabas had for Paul, wasn't it Barnabas that went after him? Now Barnabas splits out with Peter against Paul. Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation, with their screwed up procedure, with their blowing it. But when I saw that they walked not what? Righteously, with that peace and with that joy, according to the truth of the what? I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature, naturally, not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the believing of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the believing of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be what? But if while we seek to be justified in Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto whom? I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, the believing of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in what? Boy, what a statement face to face to Peter. That's all of Peter. That's, that's what he confronted Peter with. Paul did not take a crack at Peter because he didn't love him. 
Paul had to withstand Peter to the face because great biblical principles were being misused because Peter was a mature believer. But a mature believer can compromise his believing and slip back, do you understand? So Paul withstood him to the face because Peter was to be strong. Boy, if you now just continue reading Galatians in the light of Romans, man, what a tremendous revelation that is. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been openly set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the work of the law or by the hearing of faith or believing? You see, it appears from the work of God that Peter's action had great influence way beyond Barnabas. Even the Galatians got influence. Are you so stupid, verse 3, foolish, that you started out in the Spirit, but now you get around to think you're going to be made perfect by your works, by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain because you walk spiritually? if it be yet in vain. He therefore that ministered to you the Spirit that worked miracles among you, did he by the works of the law or by the hearing of believing? Even as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of believing, the same are the children of Abraham. Look at that great teaching. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, the nations, through believing, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations, Gentiles, be blessed. So then they which be of faith, of believing, are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law, they're under the curse, for it's written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. It's clear. The just, the ones who have been justified are the just. They shall live by believing, by faith, by believing. The law is not a believing, but the man that doeth them the law, he's going to have to live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Look at the maturity of that believer, of Paul, his maturity, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through believing. Look at the greatness of the promise of the Spirit, which would have speaking in tongues in it that I talked about earlier. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. If it be a man's will, a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, if that will is established by a notary, confirmed, no man has a right to disannul it or to do what to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not in the seeds as of many, 
every Tom, Dick, and Harry, on every different opinion someone might have, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the will, the last will and testament that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of non-effect. For if the inheritance would be of the law, then it could not be any more of the promise that was made by God to Abraham. When then serveth the law? What's the good of the law? Here it is. It was added because of sins until the seed, Christ, should come to whom the promise was made. And this was ordained, established, predestinated by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not of one, have to have two, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by what? But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, dead in trespasses and sin, that the promise by faith, by believing of Jesus Christ, might be given to them that do what? See? But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up until the faith which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster until Christ, that we might be justified by pistis, believing. But after that faith, pistis is come, this is the faith of Jesus Christ is come. We are no longer under a what? See the maturity of the Christian that the word of God brings? For you're all, everyone born again, the children of God by pistis of Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized with Christ baptized with Christ, when he died, we died with him. Have put on what? There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor what? For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he a child, Differeth nothing from a what? Because he doesn't know enough yet. He's immature. Though he be Lord of all, the youngest born-again believer in the family and household of God has the same rights and privileges as the oldest one. But he just does not know it. See your illustration. But he's under what? tutors and governors. He's being taught until the time that's appointed of the father, the earthly father, to take over the responsibility. That's the illustration. Even so we, verse 3, even so we, 
When we were children, we were in what? Immature. Under the outward ordinances of the world. But, 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 when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem that were under the law that we might receive sonship. That we might receive sonship. Grow up to maturity. And because ye are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son in your heart crying, Father, Father, wherefore thou art no more a what? But a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So grow up. The immature must grow up to maturity. How be it then? When ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, why do you turn again to the weak and the beggarly outward ordinances? Whereunto do you desire again to be in slavery? Then he said, you observe days, months, times, years. He said, I'm almost pray to you, lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. You know how through the infirmity of flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And your temptation, not mine, verse 14, your temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but decomide me as a minister of God representing Christ Jesus. Even as Christ Jesus himself. Oh, what a tremendous truth. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? I bear your record that it if had been possible you'd have plucked out your own eyes. You'd have given a shirt off of your back figure You'd lay down your life for me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? He was building them up, trying to make more mature believers out of immature ones who had been turned aside perhaps by Peter and Barnabas who were leaders. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they'd exclude you that you might affect them. But it is good to be urgently moved, zealously affected, only in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you to hold your hand and to keep you walking. My little children, of whom I travail in birth, my heart's torn out, I suffer birth pangs until Christ be what? So you mature, you mature. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law. Do ye not hear the law? For it's written, Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. Of the free woman was by promise. These things are an allegory. Verse 27, it's written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Now 28, brethren as Isaac was, are the children of what? But as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him who is born after the what? What a tremendous truth. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? 
Cast out the bondwoman. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the what? That's right. Be matured. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, freedom, to go where you will with Christ, who hath made us what? And be not entangled again, no longer held in, with the yoke of what? Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ won't profit you a lousy thing. I testify again to every man that circumcised that if that circumcision does it, he is a debtor. He's obligated to keep every iota of the what? And Christ then in his death has become of no effect unto you. You would be fallen from what? For we by the Spirit, wait, here it is, hope of what? Just like Romans that I've taught you tonight. By believing. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, food or drink, remember, nor uncircumcision, but faith, believing, which worketh by what? There it is. Righteousness, peace, love, remember? You'd ran well. You started out good. You're moving along, but what stopped you? That which stopped you did not come of him who called you. But a little leaven, just a little wrong teaching, leadership broken down, compromising, thinking there's something you can do to save yourself or to improve your salvation or to make your work stand before God. Just a little of that leaven, leaven the what? It takes away the Barnabases. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment. There it is. Whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, then is the offense of the cross ceased. Brethren, if I preach circumcision, then the cross Christ's death is a bunch of baloney. I would those birds that got cut off that teach circumcision. For brethren, here's verse 13. Ye have been called unto what? Liberty, freedom. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, the senses. For by love, by love, Love of God in the renewed mighty manifestation without hypocrisy. Serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy what? But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, grow up, mature, and you will not fulfill the lust of the senses world the flesh. Because all the while, verse 17, the flesh going to lust against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. And these are absolutely what? Contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit with maturity, ye will not be under the what? Now the works of the flesh are manifest, these, all of those, but, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is also manifest, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Verse 24, 
against there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with all the affections and all the lusts of that senses realm when you put on the mind of Christ and walk in the light as he is the light. Verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of pride, glory, irritating one another, envying one another, because that will not have peace and it will not do what? Edify, build up, brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault, a fellow brother overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, more mature, what do you do? Restore, correct that one. In the spirit of humility, consider yourself also in your judgment, lest thou also be what? Tempted. Right. Remember what I taught you a little while ago when I said not so much being free in his own conscience, but being free from the judgment he must pass on himself in the risk of stumbling his brother by incorrect judgment. Consider thyself, lest thou also be corrected. Bear ye one another burden, help, and so fulfill the law of what? We then who are more mature bear along what? The less mature, right. But if a man thinks himself to be something, you get your old ego up there. When he is nothing, he deceiveth what? But let every man prove his own work. Then shall he, he have rejoicing, here it is, rejoicing, which is the joy within, in himself and not in another. For every man shall bear his own portion. Let him who is taught in the word communicate. Build the other one up. Let him that is taught in the word communicate. Build the other one up. But in that word communicate is also the other one who lifts up the one who teaches in all things. In verse 7 don't get screwed up. Don't get deceived by the world. God is not mocked. The word mocked is nose up. For whatsoever a man soweth in the teaching of the word, building other people up, that's what he's going to reap. But if you sow to his flesh, his own flesh, then of his own flesh he's going to reap what? But he that soweth to the Spirit keeps building up there. That reaps everlasting life. And let us not be weary. Boy, what a record. Let us not be weary. And that's where I started tonight sometime when I talked about the hope, the rewards and the hope. See, it's the hope of Christ's return that keeps me from getting weary. It's the hope of his return that keeps a man moving ahead. So don't get weary in well-doing. For in due season, due season is the return. Don't you see it? It's the return. It's the return. We shall be rewarded. Reap, reap, reap. If we don't peter out, if we don't give up, if we give up now, sure we're going to 
be at the return with him, but we're not going to get the what? Rewards. We're not going to reap. Verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, you'll have them, let us do good unto all. And people, when you really love God, you're going to want the best for everybody, even the unbeliever. I just don't even want an unbeliever to go to hell. I know they're going, but I don't want them to go. I know all this. I don't want an unbeliever to be sick and injured and hurt. Why? Because I love God and I want the best for everybody, even the unbeliever. I think Rufus Mosley said that so beautifully for me in my heart when he said, we have to love the unbeliever because that's the only love they're ever going to have on the road to hell. I think that's about the way he said it. See? But especially, especially, especially what? Unto them who are of the household, the household of faith. God, this thing just tears my soul up. I have seen so-called born-again believers better to unbelievers. Love them more than to love those of us who search the scriptures and endeavor to stand approved before him to rightly divide the word of God. I've had Christian born-again believers who will not even shake my hand. What do you do with these verses? Well, you believe what the word says. The word, the word, the word. You've got to be especially good to whom? That means i got to be good to you, man. Baby, i got to be good to you, especially good to you. You know, I want the unbelievers to be blessed too, but baby, my family, my household, I'm especially good to them. Then he says, see how large a letter I've written unto you with my own hands. Verse 12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they compel you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they can yak about you. Today it's water baptism or something else. But God forbid that I should glory, God forbid, that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified unto me. And ladies and gentlemen, he says, I have been crucified on the world. For in Christ Jesus, here it is, neither circumcision is anything, not uncircumcision, but a new creation. And if you need further scripture, you can go to 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 5, 17, Ephesians 2, 10, 4, 24, and Colossians 3, 10 to back it up. And as many, verse 16, as shall walk by this rule, peace will be on them and mercy and the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I've committed myself to him and the marks I bear in my body are that I have committed my life. I'm sold out to God and his word. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And in Philippians chapter 2, 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if therefore any fellowship in the Spirit, any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That's maturity. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, which is pride, but in lowliness, humility of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own, but every man also on the things of what? The other believers, remember? Verse 5, let this mind be in what? Which was also in whom? Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to agree with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant that was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. You know, we died with Christ. We arose with him. You understand all that in the light of this scripture. He became obedient. God also highly exalted him, so he exalted us. Gave him a name which is above every name. That's why you carry the name of Jesus Christ. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things where. And that every tongue, verse 11, should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord, Lord. Top brass people, Lord, to the glory of what? Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation, your maturity. Get big, grow up, mature with reverence, trembling, respect. Verse 13, why? For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do what? People, I believe that's for Romans 14. And all the greatness understand it. Love you. Father, I thank you. Lord, you just got to teach the people the word and the greatness of that word. That they see the ineffable beauty of your divine presence, Father. What you wrought in Christ. And that we are equipped. We are more than conquerors. And that, Father, we use your name, the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and you back it up in our day and time to make your word a living reality that men and women can again be more mature and grow up, not only to be born again, but to be just mature believers, Father, walking in all the greatness of your divine presence and love. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good night. God bless you. I love you.